Hey everybody, welcome to the All City Chess Club podcast. I am your host, James Cordy, and today I have with me Kristen Bailey. Kristen is the co-founder and CEO of Sweets and Meats Barbecue. Sweets and Meats Barbecue is both, uh, I think, a couple of food trucks and a catering business. Kristen has countless awards. I usually like to name these things off, but as I was looking through your website, Kristen, it got a little overwhelming. You have a ton of awards that if, if you want to run down would be cool. Um, but really accomplished businesswoman, um, from what I can see on TikTok, pretty incredible looking food coming off of your truck and out of your uh, out of your kitchen. A quick shout out to a, I guess, a mutual acquaintance, uh, Amy Vaughn, who connected us on Facebook. So shout out to Amy. I really appreciate that. And then to go ahead and get us started here, Kristen, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, and in fact, the reason I reached out and wanted to talk to you is because I feel like everyone loves food, right? And some percentage of those people who love food also think that running a food truck would be a fantastic idea. It's a cool business. I have my suspicions, though, that it's a bit more of a grind and takes a little bit more grit than the average person probably realizes. Is that an accurate uh, thing for me to think? That's a thousand percent accurate. Um, you know, in fact, a lot of people get into this business because they think it's really fun and that they can make their own hours and they're going to make a ton of money. But uh, it is a lot of work. In fact, it's more work than having the restaurant, in my opinion, um, because there is so much preparation, set up, breakdown, sure. you know, all the elements you're dealing with on a day like today where the wet, you know, it was raining all day. You're having to deal with that and that impacts your sales. So um, there's just a lot that people do not think about. And, um, you know, when we got into it, we started out as a tent. So I do okay. like it better than going around and setting up a tent because you really feel the elements. If the wind's blowing and your tent's blowing around oh, gosh, yeah. um, or we've, you know, we've been at events. One of our first food truck rallies, we were at Kings Island. We were under a 10 by 30 tent. And we kept having to move everything under the tent, out of the tent, under the tent, because it was raining all day. Um, there's just a lot. There is a lot <laughs> that people do not think about. And then you've got the maintenance of the vehicles, too, just like any other vehicle, like your car, your truck that you drive around. Yeah. If your engine goes down, if you need new tires, if you, uh, you know, have an alternator issue, your car doesn't start, like, that's your business. It's not just about getting to work. It's, I can't crap, I can't go to this job because my car won't move or I don't have brakes or whatever the case may be. That's timely, so. Kristen. I just replaced my brakes on my normal vehicle this week. That did not occur to me. The reality yeah. that the food truck is a truck, that it has to move to places and that for that reason, vehicle maintenance is an issue. That's, is. Uh, that's why you're the star of the show here. So <laughs> knowing all of this, what inspired you to, to take this path? And, and also, how long have you been in business? Yeah, so we've been in business. We just celebrated 11 years. I'm, I'm sorry. We just celebrated nine years uh, last month in November. So uh, we've been doing it for nine years. And I was a banker before. I like to say I'm a recovering banker. <laughs> I was in the banking industry for 15 years before we started selling pulled pork sandwiches. And it was really, um, it's a love story, honestly. Like Anton, my other half, we've been together for 14 years. And I've always been a very sociable person. And he is sociable as well, but he is a homebody. And I wanted to go out on the weekends and be with friends, and he wanted to stay home. And so the balance to that or the compromise is that we had cookouts. And so we'd bring everybody to our house, and he's a phenomenal cook, and he would cook for everybody, and we'd have a great time. And I was able to host and be the hostess and, and take care of folks, which we love to do. 
And it grew from having 10 to 12 people at a cookout on a weekend, you know, friends and family to upwards of 60, 70 people Damn. because everybody wanted to bring someone or the word got out that we were having a cookout and people wanted to come eat. So uh, we started charging people at the cookout. So everybody would pay $10 for a plate to cover the cost of the food just because it started being a really large expense. Sure. And when we realized that people were still coming and willing to pay for the food, we thought we might have a good business idea. So um, we, we started with what we had, and we passed out flyers with Halloween candy uh, right after, let's see, that was in 2014, and we set up in the parking lot of the Mount Washington Creamy Whip that weekend and started selling food, and we sold out the first day, and we just kept coming back on weekends, and so we really kind of did it full time. Okay, so it went from overblown cookouts, right, that people were so excited about what you guys were serving that everyone wanted to bring somebody and then you had the tent, right, where you were setting up shop here and there and selling out. Um, I read on your website, which is fantastic, by the way. I'm, I'm a marketing person and, you know, create websites and write copy and all that kind of stuff. And from the writing to the design, it's, it's an excellent site. So I know a little bit of your story. Um, then you guys had a restaurant at some point. Talk me through the timing of kind of getting started to actually having the physical space. And then I think you actually got rid of the physical space maybe during COVID and went purely mobile. So we actually, we closed the carryout restaurant in December of 2022, okay. um, and that was merely strategic. So we still have that location. Uh, we operate as a commissary now. So that's where everything's produced for the food trucks. We have three food trucks now, and then we also cater. Um, we do full service catering seven days a week, 24-7, 365. So everything is, is made and produced in that location. Um, the carryout we had for five years, so we operated in Mount Washington, and we were very intentional about opening in Mount Washington because that's the neighborhood I grew up in, and that's where we live today. Been there for 42 years. Um, kind of a food desert in the sense that, you know, we have a Kroger. You know, I know not every neighborhood in Cincinnati has a Kroger, but we are lucky to have a Kroger. But it's always been fast food. We had Wendy's. We have Gold Star. Gold Star actually started Mount Washington. Fun fact. And... Um, that was pretty much it. And then right around the same time that we opened, we had uh, Ramondos that opened. We also do have a Subway, and we, we have a um, Young's uh, a Chinese restaurant as well. So, you know, it's growing, um, and there's a Domino's and La Rosa's, um, but it's, it was mostly like the chain restaurants. And there was nothing offering uh, what we had, which we would consider barbecue or soul food. And so we felt like it was a great market for it as well. And... Um, Unfortunately, with COVID, you know, people not going out as much, especially not as much for carry out, in my opinion, when they are um, getting food, they're either dining in or they're ordering off of like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. And we just simply could not do the third party apps and still make a profit. Right. Um, they take 30% commission I, out of all those sales. Yeah, I knew that. I don't think the average person knows that, but like, shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money. So it was more like, we looked at it as marketing. Like if we were trying to market and get new customers, right. it made sense to do it. But to have people constantly ordering from those apps, it was not killer. cost, you know, it was cost prohibitive for us. So, so we just didn't, quite frankly, we didn't have the sales. When we looked at our bottom line, um, this, the carryout restaurant was only pulling in 12% of our overall revenue. And we were spending the most amount of labor staffing the carryout restaurant. And so we were actually turning down guaranteed catering jobs to staff our carryout restaurant and it was causing a lot of stress and we're like you know why as we grow our catering business why do we continue to do that 
if we're not profitable from the restaurant standpoint. So we did close the carryout. It was a very, very hard decision. It was something that I knew coming out of COVID that needed to be done, but it was an emotional attachment for me because, again, I live in Mount Washington. Um, something that a lot of viewers um, may not know is my mom helped me start the restaurant and she's no longer here. So it was very difficult. But in hindsight, um, it was the best decision for our business. Um, and first quarter of 2023, it's the first first quarter we've been profitable. Um, we were actually up 27% in sales this year, um, which is phenomenal. We've had growth every year we've been in business, but we've never grown during first quarter because we're very seasonal. And it was because of the restaurant. People just weren't coming out, you know, January through March when it's snowing outside, when it's cold, they just aren't coming out for carryout. Sure. So um, it was very smart for us to do, and it's enabled us to expand our catering offerings. And then we added a third food truck this year. So 2023, mm -hmm. am I understanding correctly, 2023 was the first year you were profitable, period? Or it was the first Q1 of a year you were profitable? First Q1 that we were profitable. Okay. Got yeah. it, got it. Okay, so that's awesome. Thank you for that background. That's super interesting and, and helpful for, to understand. I like to try to kind of break the show up into three pieces. It's like the financial, the strategic, and then the creative. Um, okay. You know, I just think that, again, for people out there who, and let's be honest, there's some percentage of people out there who have what it takes to, you know, to grind it out and go and be successful. Um, I want them to really understand the dollars and cents that go into it. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, again, I I'd read on your website that you guys had a custom truck built. Tell yep. me a bit about that. And if you wouldn't mind, what does that cost? And was that kind of the big initial expense uh, in actually going like official food truck style? Yeah. So our first, um, our largest expense is actually the truck. We, I wouldn't say the largest, the first big purchase we made as a business outside of buying like Schaefer's and warming boxes and tables and, you know, Cambro catering boxes was our truck that pulled the trailer that we didn't have yet. <laughs> So it was, um, we actually bought a Nissan Titan back in 2015, and that was meant to build the trailer that we basically said we were going to get. We were going through Mortar Cincinnati at the time, which is a business accelerator. I'm familiar and with we, that. And yeah. we knew we wanted to have a trailer, but we're like, we're going to need something to tow it. We also need something to deliver catering orders, because we were borrowing my mom's truck every time we had something for catering, and that wasn't always... Um, feasible like she would drop what she was doing to borrow her truck and right. we would have multi-car caravans like people that would be carting stuff to these events and we're like we really need to establish ourselves and have like a logo on this truck that was about twenty eight thousand um, dollars back in 2018 a truck like that now is easily fifty thousand plus um, sure. the trailer itself we bought the base amount for that trailer was about thirty two thousand um, and that was when I say base we went through Southern Dimensions um, trailer group. They're actually out of Waycross, Georgia, and they build everything from the frame up. So everything's done in-house. It's a custom-built trailer, um, all the cabinetry, electrical, plumbing, like they did everything. They built it to code for our state. Um, so it was a very intense process. That was about 32000 That did include the restaurant equipment, but it did not include the generator. So a trailer like that today, again, everything's like double. Right. So you're talking at least 50,000 just for that base shell trailer with the equipment that we have, um, which is a lot of hot holding equipment because we're a barbecue right. establishment where somebody that's doing grilled food like cheesesteaks, for example, um, 
They're going to need a flat top grill. They're going to need fryers. They're going to need propane. We don't have any of that. We don't have a hood on our trailer. So those are additional expenses that someone would have to consider. Um, beyond that, we had to buy the smoker. The smoker that we have on that trailer was about $7,000 installed. And then the generator that we started with uh, was a Generac and it was 3500 but then we quickly realized that because we don't have propane, we had to do more electric and we kept burning that generator out or we were tripping it. It was very loud. You could hear us from blocks away. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to go with a silent generator because we were doing a lot of weddings. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, while we're, they're getting married. Sure. So the generator we actually invested in is a Cummins Onan. It pulls 100 amps and um, that generator installed was about $17,000. Okay. So Big when you look at all in, you know, we're looking at about 60,000 all in. Today, something like that would be closer to 100,000. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to do quick math in my head even with the back in the day <laughs> numbers and it was like 28 plus 32 plus 17 right. and I missed something in there. It almost felt like you're already around 80 or 90 even back then prices. So, um why was it important to do the custom, um, I'm sorry, I, it's funny, and it, you, there's so many things that I, I took for granted. When I said food truck, I wasn't yeah. thinking about the actual truck towing. The What, what do yeah. you refer to the other part as? So the first unit we got was a trailer, so trailer. it's actually towed by a truck. And so we've actually upgraded now to an F-250 because it can pull more weight. Like the Titan uh, was what we could afford, sure. but we were at our max with the weight that it could pull. And um, so we actually upgraded to an F-250, which has a lot more horsepower, and, and we actually lifted it up a little bit. So the shocks and struts and everything are much better to pull that kind of load. Nice. Um, but we have food trucks, too, and those don't have to be towed. That those are all-in-one trucks an that you have the equipment in as well. Correct. So why initially did you do the custom trailer? Was it about yep. what the equipment you needed in it, or you just couldn't find something, so to speak, off the rack or buy from someone else? What, what went into that decision? Yep. So... When we first started, the reason we went with the trailer, and I still stand by it, is that a lot of the older trucks have mechanical issues. And so we saw a lot of our peers, unfortunately, who had invested a lot of money in a food truck. And then there were days that their food truck wouldn't start or they had some type of mechanical issue that prevented them from showing up to an event. We did not want to be one of those businesses that had that type of hindrance. Um, we didn't want to no-show someone. We didn't want to not make it to a wedding. We didn't want to not make it to Taste Cincinnati. So we invested in a trailer because the mindset was that if there's something happens with the truck, you know, with the truck that's towing this trailer, we can just go rent another truck. Right. So our that mindset was, <laughs> was that we just want to be reliable and we don't want to have to deal with the mechanics, you know, the mechanical issues that people are experiencing. So we got that trailer. In hindsight, I would have ordered a much smaller trailer. Uh, we went with a 26-foot trailer, and with the, the actual hitch um, where the, the generator is, it's 30 feet. That's pretty large. No Anton's the only person that can safely drive that trailer, and so it puts a lot of pressure on him, especially as our pit master as well. He might come in 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to cook, and then he's got to take it to every single event. So he was coming in, cooking from 2 a.m. till 9 a.m., having to tow it to an event where he was working from 10 a.m. till midnight, having to bring it back and driving after working a 17, 18-hour day really isn't safe. Yeah, no doubt. So um, that was the mindset behind the, the trailer. And so when you look at investing into a food truck, we ended up our next move, we went with a food truck, but we went with like a Sprinter-style food truck. And the reason for that was 
trailers couldn't go on to Fountain Square. And pre-COVID, Fountain Square was where all the food trucks were. That was a great way to get the name out for your business. And we couldn't do it. So we got a food truck. I went down to Florida and actually bought an old Smoothie King truck and outfitted it for what we do with barbecue. And it's small, so it's only 19 and a half feet. So anybody on my team that has a driver's license, for the most part, feels comfortable to drive it. And so it's much easier to get around town. Um, we do a lot of quick events with that event, that truck, you know, two to three event, um, two to three hour events where we can just pull up. It's easy to set up, tear down, in and out. Whereas the trailer is more built for like an all day event. Got it. So yeah, the uh, the truck's a bit more nimble. Well, that all makes sense. So and we do a lot of visits at home. So like people that want to rent the truck for a graduation party, we can pull right up in the driveway. We did a lot of that during the pandemic. Uh, with a food truck, the trailer is not as conducive for that. True. So I guess two two more questions that came mm-hmm. up. Thinking about, you, you mentioned Anton as the pit master. So you've got yep. the truck pulling the trailer, and then mm-hmm. the smoker is part of the trailer, or that's another piece that's hitched to that entire deal? So we actually have the trailer on board. So there is a porch, like a um, it's an enclosable porch that's on the back of the trailer. Okay. It does have a smoker. And then we have two trailers that have smokers on them that are in our lot that we can tow to events separately. Um, And then we also have a rotisserie smoker inside of our carryout. Um, It was then carryout restaurant, but now catering commissary. Nice. And so we can cook about 500 pounds a day on the smoker inside the carryout (laughs) or inside the commissary. I keep getting used to saying that, but. How did you guys fund all of this? And did you did you do all the stuff that you talked through a minute ago? Was that kind of all at once? Or was that over a few years? The two-parter, how did you fund it? I think yeah. I read something about a Kiva loan, and I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. And then was it like we need all of this now? Or were you able to kind of buy things over time? We have bought everything over time. We have always reinvested everything back into the business. So I take a very modest salary, and I honestly did not pay myself anything for the first five years. First five years, everything went back into the business. The first three years, we had absolutely no payroll. Everybody volunteered, myself and Anton combined. And then we had um, friends and family that worked with us and volunteered. We had Job Corps interns, um, culinary interns from Job Corps. Um, And so that's how we were able to basically get our funds to start up. We, We rolled everything back into the business and we used that cash to, to, you know, acquire the equipment that we needed. Um, nobody would make us a loan. Um, in fact, three years in, we were profitable business, but we had a lot of difficulty securing an SBA loan when we got our carryout restaurant. Um, we did a courtesy inspection with the city of Cincinnati, and we thought we had all of our ducks in a row. But we found out about six months after leasing the space that the city would not allow us to have our smoker outside. And so we had to basically reconfigure our hood. We had to replace it with two new hoods which that in of itself is about $40,000. We were able to save some of the mechanics from the previous restaurant. It was a Little Caesars, so like some of the fans could be used, but that was a big number to come up with. And then the smoker itself was another $25,000. So you're talking $65,000 for a small business. It almost, quite frankly, put us under. Um, I ended up applying with 11 different banks to get an SBA loan. Nobody would lend to us. Um, It was my advisor with the Small Business Development Center that actually made an introduction to Celtic Bank out in Iowa, and they're the ones who underwrote our loan. So that was the only loan we had taken out um, for the business, and actually is still the only loan we've had. 
Um, we, ha we do have a business line of credit that we use for temporary items. We have a business credit card. Um, but when we first got started, it was really cash that we had saved from business. Um, we did have a donation from my grandmother. Um, so she put forth the deposit for our trailer. It was $10,000. And then the remaining portion for the equipment, so some of the restaurant equipment that we needed, like the smoker, for example, we did through Kiva. And it's kiva.org, K-I-V-A. And Kiva basically is a crowdsourced loan. So okay. if you have folks that are willing to invest in your business, um, they can do that through Kiva, and you would have a trustee. So our trustee was actually LISC which also works with small businesses. And what that did is it gave us some credibility. They advertised that worldwide. So not all the funders that we had were actually people we knew. Some of them might have been in other countries. And That's they could cool. make us a loan for as little as $25 up to $1,000 if they wanted. And then we were given three years, 36 months, to pay that back at 0% interest. Nice. So I've actually successfully funded two Kiva loans. The first was 10000 which was for restaurant equipment. The second we actually took out in 2020 to cover payroll um, during the pandemic, and that was for 15000 We paid both those back. So those funders get all that money back, um, not, and, th and then they're actually able to reinvest that into another business where they can cash out and get their money back. Awesome. Thank you for going into that detail. That's uh, truly, that's incredible. This is the stuff that I think people really need to understand and hear. So um, I keep saying two things. Uh, the, the loan you got from the bank out in Iowa. Yep. I think you said Iowa. Was that yep. for like the 60-ish K you needed for those two big things and like just that? You didn't take, take extra money. It was just to cover those two Correct. big capital expenses. It was just those things. All the restaurant equipment, shout out to um, Cincinnati Restaurant Equipment. Um, Dave, Dave actually gave us, um, well, I don't know if I want to say, he, he really took a risk on us when we were, we were in a really bad spot. This is January of 2017. Um, he had been in the restaurant industry himself and, and selling restaurant equipment for roughly 20 years and had just went out on his own. Um, so he's over on Spring Grove and we came into his place and we're like, we need all this equipment. You know, this is what we can use on our credit card. We had no other way to finance and he said, you know what, honey, pick out what you need. I'll order it. We'll figure it out. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, we'll just figure it out. So he let us make payments on this restaurant equipment. And if it wouldn't have been for that, we wouldn't have had the stuff we needed That's to amazing. start the restaurant. Um, but he stood by his word. He let us make payments. We were able to pay everything off. Um, and I still to this day and am indebted to him. All my restaurant equipment goes through their business. Um, Dave Faust, he's a phenomenal guy. A lot of people in the industry know him. But I would say that we've been able to get by with the relationships that we have like a lot of people we've given back to our community and we've done right by folks and so other people see that and they're willing to help us um and he's one of those people that's amazing you know yeah. do you know uh, chef kayla robison i don't know her personally but i know the name i noticed she worked at um downtown and is actually doing her own thing now yeah i think she's, she's at arnold's for a long time arnold's yes i didn't want yeah. to misspeak because she, she yeah. did some some um some work for the company i work for she came in and did some cooking for it's not worth jumping into the details it was really cool and uh sure. she mentioned what's it called again cincinnati uh, restaurant equipment supply yes down on spring grove i know that area mm -hmm. i'm sure that's the place she was talking about she said it's a pretty awesome place to go yeah it's go actually it's queen city restaurant supply okay 
One other thing you said that I wanted to dive into, because as a aspiring entrepreneur myself, I've heard people in your position say before, for the first X amount of years, I didn't take a salary, you know, so on and so forth, I reinvested. But what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? And th- what I have always assumed is, you know, you've got business lines of credit, maybe you have business credit cards, and your, your yeah. expenses are just there. Or, I mean, are you living with your parents? What, yeah. is, what does that actually look True. like for those first five years? So that's why I kept my full-time job. So I was working at the bank. Um, I had a, you know, a nine to five. It, I didn't always work nine to five. Sometimes I worked till 10 o'clock at night at the bank, but I did work full-time and I would pack a bag every day and I would leave the bank and go change in a convenience store to go to a job at night. So I had a suit on during the day and I had my sweets and meats gear in a bag and it literally was one full-time job to the next full-time job. And I did nights and weekends for the first five years. I just didn't pay myself from the business. I kept my full-time salary. I kept my benefits from my corporate job. And I really um, would recommend that any entrepreneur do that because you're almost committing financial suicide if you don't when you first start because there's so many things that you can't predict. Like there were some months and weeks that I would have to fund payroll using my personal money. And I couldn't borrow that money starting up. I just, you know, I had to figure it out or if there was equipment I needed or if I had to go buy the food for a job until we could get paid from that client. Sometimes I had to take that out of my personal money. Now, the one really good thing that I did and another piece of advice is to make sure you have a really good accountant and that you're using accounting software like QuickBooks to track that because there was a lot of back and forth, but I was able to actually keep that line item detail so that I could account for the money. Like where was the money coming from? I could pay myself back and not be using my personal account for business expenses, if that made sense. So I kept everything separate. Recommend doing that from day one. So um, keep, keep your job yes. until you hit the transition as long as point you where can. you can bail. Yeah. Keep it as long as you can. I mean, honestly, I would have kept the bank job for longer. They fired me. Um, we started having some success and we were on the news a lot and it just became a thing of perception where I might be working on my business when I was working for my other job. And so as much as I certified with the code of ethics and was upfront about everything, it just, it was kind of that fine line once we opened the restaurant, but that was the best thing that happened to me in hindsight, because as an entrepreneur, I was fearful to leave, but it was time. And once I did leave, our business exploded because I was able to devote 100% of my effort to the small business. But it, timing is everything. Timing is critical. No doubt. And, and then I would just, say in year five, the first year I paid myself, I paid myself 14000 for the year. So it. you asked the question of how do you do, how do you survive? Um, I was saving money when I was working my bank job, but I also... Um, unfortunately, I have had deaths in the family, and I had a little bit of an inheritance that I was able to use as well, kind of to get me by. Um, I did cash out my 401k mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, I had to use that to cover payroll. So I had that, um, and I was able to pay myself back. So I've actually been living off of savings when I can't pay myself. That, those are jewels right there. <laughs> so I was going to ask you the question, at what point did it make sense to quit your job? But it sounds like that decision was made for you. Yeah. But, and I think this is a critical thing to zoom mm-hmm. in on as well, which is, I, you know, you were a little, of course, you got your you know, foot on first base. And if you want to get to second, you got to go. But I can get it being like, I don't know. And, and to your point, the first year you only made 14000 I imagine you were making a decent amount more than that in your full-time gig. But then the business blew up. And now it's years in the past. And so, you know, that's, that's interesting. That's really cool. 
But I tell people, because everybody's like, oh, I want to start a business, and I don't know how to do both. you got to figure it out. Like, you got to start with what you have. you got to start small before you scale the business and be really strategic. Like, don't do something that obviously you have to do during business hours if you have a job that's 9 to 5. Right. you got to be flexible and nimble. Um, because I think a lot of business owners, and one thing I learned, and I learned this from being at the bank, 9 out of 10 new businesses fail, and so many people go into debt initially and it's hard to rebound from that especially right now interest rates are 11 percent like that could kill somebody money's expensive as they say (laughs) um that's great advice what is this is getting really in the weeds so you can tell me you know to piss off if you don't want to share or but i'd be really interested to know down to like the food costs margin profitability what does a daily break even look like for you how much food do you guys have to sell um, and how much, how in the weeds did you get on understanding the food costs versus what you were going to charge for? Like before you guys launched this thing, were you pretty, mm-hmm. pretty clear on that? No, we weren't. We just charged what we thought we needed. And, and we were actually undercharging for several years because we weren't, we didn't have payroll. So we were like, oh, you know, when you first get started, you think a 300 sales day, you've made it. <laughs> like right. you think, oh, this is fantastic. I remember going to breweries and be like, oh my God, we did 350 today. This is amazing. <laughs> and it's like 350. Well, we didn't have any overhead because we didn't have like a commercial kitchen yet. We didn't have payroll. Like it, everybody was volunteering. We weren't buying food in bulk like we are now. We're buying cases of food. Then we were just buying the food for that day, cooking it, and then, you know, putting the money back in. So for us, more of a break-even now, we're looking at more $1,500 for a three-hour service, whereas back then it was a lot less. Um, And still $1,500 doesn't always cut it. You know, our smoke time is 14 to 15 hours, so we're paying someone to smoke all that meat. We're paying someone to prepare that meat to get everything seasoned and cleaned and trimmed, and then we're paying someone to go serve it. You know, there's a lot involved with that. Labor accounts are about 40% of our sales. So it was actually on the high side for a lot of restaurants because we're so labor intensive. Everything we make is from scratch. Sure. We've got that long smoke time. Um, I would say margins on average for someone in the restaurant industry are about 10% profitability mm-hmm. when you look at things. Um, I think ours is closer to 5 to 10%. So, And that's because, again, the meats we're using, we're us- using USDA uh, Prime, brisket, like not using choice, uh, you know, it's taking 16 hours to smoke that meat. We don't reheat the brisket. So, you know, we can repurpose it and doing like a chili or something. But a lot of our food actually gets donated to organizations like Last Mile Food Rescue. Um, That's awesome. Whereas, you know, some places will continue to reuse. And from a quality standpoint, we just have opted not to do that. My brother wanted to know that that answer. So, Kyle, that one was for you. I didn't even have to ask it. He, <laughs> I, you know, I, he is a, one of those people out there who's like, God, I would love to open a food truck. What would the concept be? Uh, and when I text him a few days ago to say, hey, what do you want to know? One of his questions was, I want to know about food waste, which yeah. is a great question, but I didn't expect it to come from him. Two things. He's a little bit out of order, but they're they're topical because you're kind of touching on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is catering a large part of your business com- um, compared to like going to events? Is it the bigger part of the business than taking the truck to events? It is. And it's... Um I love catering. Uh, I would do 100% catering if I could. So the events, more I do for marketing to get our name out there, to get people to hire us for catering. You know, if I go to a food truck rally with 15,000 people 
and 200 people try my food. Hopefully I have those 200. I'll get at least two people to book. I'll have other people that'll see us. Um, catering is guaranteed. It's a lot easier to prepare for. So if somebody's hired me to feed 100 people, I make food for 120 and yep. I'm covered. If they don't eat it, I donate it. I'm covered. Whereas with an event, it's a crapshoot. You know, you have no idea how much food you're, you're going to serve. You don't know who's going to buy it. You don't know what the weather's going to be like. If it's too hot, people don't want to eat barbecue. If it's, you know, raining or if it's sleeting outside, people don't want to come out. If, you know, there's, there's nowhere just to so sit. many variables. Maybe you got to stand and eat. Maybe barbecue's not the best. That um, or there's eight barbecue trucks. Like we've been to some events where 25% of the trucks are barbecue. So there's just a lot of competition. So let me touch on that. That was the other thing I yeah. just I want to do out of order. The type of food. It says mm -hmm. it all over your website. I can just tell in the way that you talk about the food. It's not a mistake that you guys do barbecue. And it's probably, quick math here, one of the most difficult things that you could be preparing in terms of time to prep and all that kind of good stuff. Do you think you would have ever gotten into this just from like a pure business standpoint? Or I guess better asked, if someone was like, hey, Kristen, completely new concept can't be barbecue would you say not even that interested is barbecue the reason that you're in this business is really my question and do you sometimes wish it was something more straightforward easier to prepare quicker to prepare yeah my business hat says i wish i would have listened to all the people that said don't do it um as far as restaurants you know just looking at overall expenses looking at the cost of rumpke to get your trash looking at what it costs to centos to get your towels and gas and electric at duke like all the expenses, but at the end of the day, if I'm being transparent and vulnerable, 100% barbecue. Anton learned everything he knows at his grandfather's knee. Um, his grandfather, Willie Joe, actually passed away in June of this year. Um, when I saw Anton cater his grandfather's party, it was a 72nd birthday party down in Sylacauga, Georgia. I have never seen a bigger smile on his face. And to have his grandfather sit there and say, you got this boy, like this is so good, and kind of basically hand over the reins to him, like that was everything. And I, I, I think we both, as much as we work and as stressful as it can be, we've never worked harder, you know, than we ever have that we do for ourselves, um, for less money, but we love what we do. We get up every morning. We're happy to go to work. We're in complete control. Um, we love it. And it is because of barbecue. I can't see myself doing anything else. And it's because of the passion of what he learned from his grandparents. Like that's in his roots. Whew, I got goosebumps listening to that. I could kind of visualize the scene. That's awesome. And that's that's what it looks like. You know, it feels like even from someone who hasn't visited your truck before, just kind of seeing you guys in social and, and online. Very cool. All right. Gosh, this is such good stuff. And we're still in the financial area. We're almost 40 minutes in. I want to be cognizant okay. of your time. Let me be choiceful here. Um, what are some, you mentioned some of these, what are some of the other expenses that people don't think about specific to food truck or the catering business? You mentioned some of the, you mentioned Schaefer's earlier and I wasn't familiar with that yep. terminology. If you don't mind recapping some of what you said and there's anything new you could mention, that'd be great. Sure. So Schaefer's are actually used for catering buffets. So they actually are used to keep the food hot. So anytime you have a service that's going to be 45 minutes or longer, you want to keep the trays um, of food hot and it's like a, a sterling silver, if you will, uh, exactly roll top chafing dish. 
um, that you're putting those hot trays in. Uh, there's, you know, the Cambro boxes that you use to transport the food. Those are insulated, so they'll keep food hot up to eight hours. There's the dollies that you use. I can't tell you how many dollies we have to replace on an annual basis. And also that the first three years we didn't have a single dolly because I refused to pay over $100 for a dolly. I would carry <laughs> all that stuff, which my back is barking about now. For sure. Um, but then we did what we had to do to get by. Like we were very frugal and... Um, there are a lot of expenses, workman's comp insurance, uh, business insurance. I pay over 15 grand a year for business insurance to, to, to make sure that my vehicles are insured for liability, for my building in case of a fire. I mean, those are large expenses. Yeah. Um, labor, 40, you know, 40% of our business. When you look at what we're doing in sales, like almost half of that is being eaten by labor. Yeah. The, the plus of that is knowing that I'm helping people put food on their table and get their first house, you know, provide for their families, uh, buy a car. But at the same time, sometimes I'm not paying myself, you know, right. um, that's a hard pill to swallow. And uh, some of the other large expense uniforms, just uh, recently we looked at how much we're actually spending in employee uniforms because we do provide t-shirts, we provide chef coats. That's a huge expense. Uh, we looked at um, maintenance, you know, having to reseal the floors. We do that every year at the commissary. You know, when you're having those buffed out and sealed, that's three to four thousand dollars. Like that's an annual expense. Um, this year alone, we bought a new food truck. I spent forty two thousand five hundred on the truck. I've spent the same thing in maintenance this wow. year. Maintenance. I kind of bought a lemon. Didn't realize I was buying a lemon, but that was difficult. You know, at one point they told us we had to replace the engine, and they wanted thirty two grand for the engine. And that $42,000 does not include the engine. Oh, really? So, no. Uh, so, you talk so about big expenses. You got you to gotta sell a lot of pulled pork sandwiches to make up for that. <laughs> so, there's, there's things that people don't realize that you need. Um, you know, there's, uh, I'm trying to think, some of the larger line item. Um, Kristen, what do you guys bring in per year, if you don't mind sharing? I just, I hear all of these expenses, and I'm like, this is, I mean, legitimately, this is hundreds, yeah. at least a couple hundred thousand dollars just in insurance and trucks and truck maintenance, and uh, imagine if you added in labor and stuff like that, not to mention food costs. I mean, what are what are your costs annually yeah. in total? Do you even have yeah, a... Yeah, I do. So I was a banker, so I manage all of our oh, numbers. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Very numbers-driven, and that's, again, I, I attribute that to our success, because I am constantly looking at you know, overhead. Um, you know, we have an office that we pay for too. I'm actually at our office now in, in Hyde Park. So beyond the, the commissary, we have, you know, the, the expense of having an office. We have the expense of each of those vehicles. We've got two catering vans. We've got three food trucks. We have the insurance for all those vehicles. We have the wraps, a wrap for a food trucks, nine grand, um, you know, just to advertise. So <laughs> all those expenses, our sales in 2023 were 1.4 million. Um, this year we're projected to do 1.7. Um, so we're growing, uh, in 2019, we did 700,000. So we've doubled our business, um, since the, the height of the pandemic. It's a lot of pulled pork sandwiches to use. Your it friends. is. <laughs> I will tell you that every bit gets spent. I think we had 19,000 profit last year. Um, but it's like, it comes in, it goes out, yeah. but we have, we're debt free. So I can say that about the company. We're a debt free company. I'm very, very proud of that. Um, weren't always awesome. debt free, but, um, but yeah. How many people are involved in the business and what are their roles? So we have 17 employees right now. Uh, we did hire a general manager, uh, Johnny Payne. We actually brought him on board in May of this past year. 
um, and he came on full time uh, permanently in August. Um, so he was kind of working his way out of the job that he had been at up for a long time to see if this was something he thought he could do uh, for a career path. He was also our first volunteer and our first customer. Nice. Um, so he was really good friends of Anton's and um, trusted us and believed in us. So he left a job he had for 10 years in manufacturing to come work for us to help us grow. Uh, we have Nidra Lang, also a friend who worked with Anton previously at Lowe's and Home Depot. She came to work with me. Um, she was a volunteer when we did the Kings Island food truck rally back in 2015, before we had a food truck, by the way. Uh, she was in the kitchen with me until 2 a.m. in the morning volunteering, cleaning chicken, came back at 4 a.m. after taking a shower, like no sleep. And those are the kind of people that we have kept around us. Um, she's been with us since we started the carryout, so six years um, she is a manager. We also have um, Nicole Klein, who is our catering and events manager. She's been with us for two and a half years. Uh, we have um, Jacoby Payne, who is Johnny's wife. Uh, she is actually our trainer now, but she's been with us for six years. They both went with us down to Lexington for our first event back in 2014. So they've been with us the whole stretch as we built the business. Um, we have Elijah Phillips, he's our food truck lead. We have Billy Vega, my operations manager that I hired last year to help me with administrative duties like booking catering jobs and managing our calendar and doing our marketing. Um, so we've got a great crew. Um, I could go through the whole line, but and we do hire quite a bit from our community, uh, direct community in Mount Washington, and we have a very diverse um, employee base. That's awesome. Thank you for breaking that down. I did not You're expect... Welcome. I did not expect a lot of this. This is amazing. Quite honestly, Kristen, I'm super pumped at, at how much you're, uh, you're hitting me with. This is, this is fantastic. Okay, so now we have a really good idea of kind of what revenue looks like. Mm -hmm. What percentage of that is catering? You said you wish it all could be. Is half of it? Is 60% of it it's, catering? It's about 80%. Okay. 80, 80 to 83% catering. Um, and that's you showing up at graduations, weddings, house parties, what other Unique. kind of stuff? You're willing to pay us, we're there. So we do weddings, repast, uh, graduation parties are huge. We do retirement parties. We do um, grill outs, cookouts, a lot of employee appreciation events for corporations, a lot of corporate lunches. Um, we do, you know, we have a lot of pharmaceutical reps that pick up lunch for their, for their physicians and their teams. Um, we do a lot of holiday orders. So you talk about Thanksgiving, that's huge for us. We did 130 smoked turkeys last week. Nice. So literally all of those families, we had over 130 people come see us over a two day period and we provided meals for their families for the holidays. That's awesome. So, um, we do jobs on first, second and third shift. So a lot of manufacturing companies will go out and serve all three shifts. We'll do a lunch. We do the dinner shift for second shift. And then we come and do third shift between one and four in the morning. Um, so we're one of the people that are the most flexible in the area. Not a lot of caterers would offer that. Going to have to have you guys out to Blue Star. I work at a company Absolutely. called Blue Star in Hebron. We bring catering out somewhat often, and I don't know that you guys have ever been out. So I don't I know the, the food. name. So I saw the food. You guys got to come. Um, shoot, what the heck was it? Oh, and so the other 20% then is yeah. what, in your words? So most of it's big festivals. Um, so we've started, now that we've been in business for nine years, we cherry pick a lot of the events we do. We do apply um, to several throughout the year. Some of the big ones are Taste of Cincinnati. We did Oktoberfest. We do uh, the Westchester Food Truck Rally, Loveland Food Truck Rally. Um, we go up to Troy to do the Miami County Food Truck Rallying Competition. 
Um, so a lot of those large, you know, scale events that people know about. But then also, you know, we did all the Bengals tailgates this year. So down on uh, uh, at the banks, we do all the pregame tailgates. We do FC Cincinnati tailgates. We'll be there Saturday tomorrow nice. um, for Go the tailgate FC. for their tournament. Um, we do a lot of events at Washington Park. We do a lot of events on Fountain Square. Um, we do a lot of events with uh, Cincy Parks, so down at Smail Park or down at Yatemans Cove. We do Cincinnati Pride. Um, we do Hamilton Pride. So uh, honestly, we do over 300 events a year. Um, if I look at how much catering we do, I would say there's 900 independent events, and that could be simple as us dropping food off to a physical food truck rally that's all day long to a wedding, like 900 touch points, I guess, throughout the year. Wow. So what does a typical week look like? Are you at one event and the rest of the week is catering or is there not a typical week? Uh, it's not so typical after COVID, to be honest with you. Um, things are very last minute. People used to plan weeks to months in advance. It is not uncommon to get a call where somebody's panicked and said, can you come serve us tomorrow? I wonder why so, that changed. Um, I think people are taking longer to RSVP. Um, we get that with a lot of our event partners that people are waiting till the week of to purchase a ticket to RSVP or there's cancellations. Interesting. Um, I think a lot of people sign up for things and then they don't show up now where that wasn't as common before. Um, but it's hard. It's much harder for us to plan strategically. I would say on an average basis in the summer, we have anywhere from 30 to 50 events a week. Um, right now, we're averaging closer to a dozen. It's a much slower time. We're more seasonal, so the winters are pretty slow for us. Um, and that is a variety of things. It could be a drop-and-set buffet catering where we're just dropping off, setting up a buffet and leaving. It could be something where we stay and serve the guests. It could be box meals that are individually packaged that we're delivering. It could be a food truck event where we're going to serve for three hours. It could be a vending event with a food truck. We also do on-site events with different companies like uh, P&G and Fidelity and UC Medical Center uh, where we go in and take over a station in their cafeteria and we actually are a vendor and people That's can awesome. come purchase meals from us. So every day is something different and I would say the most events we've probably done in a day is about 10. Um, I only know that because my general manager asked me because he's trying to consolidate <laughs> our operations um, and make things more automated. But um, on average, we probably do about three to five events a day. Um, but at the height of it, it's about 10 during busy season. What is your role as the CEO of this company? Are you ever on trucks cooking? Are you managing events along with your catering manager? What, yeah. what, if you can even quantify it, how, how do you spend your time? How does it break down? Yep, it is changing. Honestly, this year I went through the um, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, which is about a four-month program that strategically makes you uh, dedicate you know, a lot of time to working on the business versus in the business yep. and looking at financials, like actually learning to read your financials, um, looking at a marketing plan, how to hire, how to be very strategic. And um, since that time, I've really forced myself to stop going to events. My staff has kind of kicked me off the food trucks. I used to be kind of the face and go to every single event. And I thought I had to do every single event. Yeah. Not that I couldn't trust my people, but you always have that question is, well, is it going to be the same? Well, it's not always right. going to be the same, but you have to ask yourself, is it going to be good enough? Like, you know, these people are very capable. I have an amazing staff and sometimes they're doing even a better job than I could have ever done. So 
Um, it's really empowering the staff and delegating. Um, I have hired someone to help me in the office. I used to do everything but cook, to answer your question. I would close the restaurant every day. I would go out to every single event with the food truck. I did all the ordering. I did all the um, scheduling. I did all the booking. I managed our calendar. I did the accounting. I did all the banking functions, um, payroll. I mean, you name it, I was doing it all marketing. Now, where my focus lies is really on growing the business. So we're actually expanding in 2024. So I've been working on contracts to open a new location. I've been working on a contract where we'll be at a particular brewery from January to April next year. Nice. Um, so getting us into these businesses, I mentioned doing a lot of on-site events through Foodworks um, and really kind of being the face and, and uh, navigating those relationships. I have uh, been working on um, getting our WBE certification as a woman-owned business. I just got that with the state a couple weeks ago. I had been city certified working on the state certification. Um, I also am on the National Advisory Board with the Small Business Development Center, so I've started getting on more boards and giving back and mentoring other entrepreneurs, So, which is a passion of mine. So um, not only am I working on my business, it's enabled me to kind of work more on my passion and the things that I think I'm really good at, which is, you know, building relationships for the business. Like mm -hmm. when I call a client, a repeat client and ask them for their business, it's very different from one of my staff members calling. Sure. And I would say my, um, my success is, is closer to 9,900% versus they just don't have that relationship yet. So I need to be doing more of that for my it, small It business. hits different when the person, not necessarily just the owner, but when the person who has the passion is doing the sales. It does. It does. And, you know, I used to feel like I had to do everything. I did the dishes. I mopped the floors. And there was a time that I had to do that. I didn't have the people to do that. I have the folks now. And I have folks that are wanting to work, that are willing to work. So awesome. I have to use them and, and use them where their the strengths are, too. So and recognizing that, but I'm, I'm glad you asked. I still wear a lot of hats, but I am pulling back and not as visible with doing the events. I have um, a kitchen manager that does all the ordering. Our catering manager does all of our inventory. Um, she is physically going out and being the buffet captain. I don't do that anymore. So it's freed me up to do a lot more things on the business and we've grown a lot. We're not the same company anymore. So we have to operate that way working on the business and not in the business. I like that. I've heard yes. it before, but it's that's critical. I, I'm a marketing manager. I have a team of 12 or 13 people, but I have a lot of what you just described in me, which is yeah. if I want this thing done, I have to do it. Even though I have people that can do it, that are capable mm -hmm. people, and it just mm -hmm. letting go sometimes is, is yeah. really tricky. And I think I just need people to keep saying this to me until I can yeah. actually act on it. So I appreciate you. I will tell you, I want to share with you, especially because Amy put this together, um, Amy who referred me to you, uh, she put together a women's retreat the first weekend of November, and I am somebody that has really self-sacrificed as we built the business. Like, I've worked consistently 90 hours a week, seven days a week since I started, and a lot of times at my own detriment. And I wouldn't change it because I love my business, and it's sure. enabled us to get to where we are, but I am realizing for my own health and sanity, I need to, I need to have more of a balance. So sure. she planned this women's retreat, and it was actually the same weekend as the largest wedding we've ever done. Oh, God. <laughs> and so people were panicking, and they're like, are you still able to go? And I'm like, my staff has it. You know, I didn't get a single phone call while I was away at that retreat. Like, That's we had a big a leap. major wedding. We had fundraisers. I mean, it was incredible, but it was the first time I was really able to step away and be like, you know what? They've got it. 
And it was the biggest wedding you've done. So it was like it was. really ripping the Band-Aid off. Yeah. And that and retreat was incredible for me. So That's fantastic. Hey, on the food prep side, you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, you're like, I, I, you know, I can turn brisket into uh, a chili, but I'm not reserving it as brisket after a certain period of time. So, yep. I mean, you guys are in business damn near every day from what I can tell. So are people, you know, is Anton or whomever else going to wake up this morning at three o'clock and start cooking? Yep. Is that the way it works? Yep. My pit master's bedtime is eight o'clock, four minutes. He's going to be lights out and he'll be at the commissary at three o'clock in the morning. So meat was put on today. I literally just before this call at 6.59, I got a call from somebody saying they were putting the meat on the smoker. It'll be ready to either wrap or take off or add additional proteins when he comes in at 3. And it's a whole process. We have folks that come in at 3, people that come in at 5, 6 a.m., our prep cooks that are helping to finish the meat and then uh, also make our homemade sides to typically the folks who are going out to serve at events are coming around 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning and it goes from there. Yeah, I was going to ask. I just, like I said, I was on your TikTok just earlier and I saw like the greens and the mac and cheese and all of that. Yeah. So that's made daily as well. Daily. Everything's made fresh daily, every wow. morning. That's fantastic. Okay. I want to get in now that's to the creative that's section. Everything not served is either repackaged for the client to keep or we... Uh, we basically label it up for uh, Last Mile Food Rescue. They have volunteers that come out and pick it up. They'll pick it up daily, weekly, you know, whatever that. Uh, it depends on what we have. And then we also make drops down at Shelter House, which is a men's shelter downtown. That's awesome. That's yeah. got to feel good, you know, to do what you love, but then also be able to help people not only with employment, but with hunger. Yeah. And that's really awesome. Definitely. Okay. We, we hate already... food waste. <laughs> not <laughs> no, only not. financially, but just the fact that, I mean, as Americans, like half of our food goes to waste and it's it's just there's so many people that are deserving and are hungry and you know if more restaurants stepped up it would be great thank you it would okay so i think you already told me i mean could you ever see it i mean you're all in on this but just mm-hmm. theoretically could you see yourself running a different concept food truck and and if you were let me put it this way if you were going to advise me, and, and for the yeah. record, I am not planning on starting a food truck, although I think it's an awesome business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is the cook, not me at all. Although I guess I could be the, the marketing guy. Mm-hmm. What would you do? What concepts stand out to you as just strategically smart as it comes to, as it goes to mobile food businesses? You know, jokingly, I always tell Anton, I said, we should have opened a food truck that did fried chicken tenders and French fries. No doubt. <laughs> like when you look at some of these chicken joints, I mean, it's, it's, it's gosh I mean four or five menu items and it's so easy to manage and it's quick and easy there's not a light labor involved the hardest thing is really cleaning out the fryers um, that fryer oil and fryer oil did go up for a while chicken went up for a while but I I mean we are in a very labor intensive and cost costly industry um, as a barbecue caterer heck yeah hey I forgot to ask um, Mm -hmm. when you're at events is there any, so you're, you're cooking meats, you're cooking sides, uh, morning of, day before, what have you. Is there any prep actually happening on the truck? So, yeah. So it depends on what type of event we're at. A lot of times they're uh, finishing off desserts. They might be making barbecue sauce. But for the most part, uh, we are hot holding. Uh, the only thing that we're really making on the food truck would be some of those cold items. And the reason being for that is we're a high volume uh, food truck we can serve 300 people in an hour wow. there's just not time to do that in between sure. in that type of space um to be making you know preparation it just slows us down well, that makes and 
is such a long time frame to cook our food. So it's a blessing and a curse. It's nice. I mentioned like the, the t chicken tender and the, the fry folks, right? They're only as quick to serve as what they can produce. You've right. got to have several fryers, big fryers to be able to manage a 300 person event. Whereas we're just, we're, we're slinging, we're slinging barbecue. We got yeah. people coming to the window. So we're able to get them in and out. Our line moves quick. A lot of times people think we're not busy, but it's just because we're able to turn really quickly. That is an interesting thing to think about, which is how many people you can serve it in what kind of time. Because the benefit of the, you know, uh, chicken tenders and French fry people is they're not going to bed at 8 p.m. and waking up at 3 a.m., but they're not moving food as quickly either, which caps Correct. their profitability. Um, can you spill the beans on the brewery you're going to be set up shop, or is that not a finalized contract yet? December 11th. We'll okay, be able cool. to let everybody know December 11th. So we got 10 more days. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to that. We're very excited about it, though. It's, we're going to be centrally located, and we'll be there five days a week. Ooh, she dropped a clue. That's amazing. I'm excited for that. <laughs> okay, tell me a little bit about social media. Do you manage yeah. it? Do you have someone that manages it? What are you guys trying to achieve through social? What are your goals, so to speak? Yep, so I do manage our social media. I You're have um, enlisted the help of our operations manager, Billy, uh, most recently, who has been doing a lot of more strategy with doing a marketing calendar before it was just like i would just dump when i had time i'd make like three or four posts i know that that's not really the way to do it but i was just doing it when i had time she is actually planning a whole calendar where she's looking at what times are the best times to make the post she's designing things in canva she's really making sure that we're highlighting a partnership or highlighting an employee or doing a food post or doing an offer like it's not the same thing all the time um, so we are being a lot more strategic. It took us nine years to get to that level. Um, but I will say the one thing I'm really proud of is we've always been very transparent. I think a lot of people have enjoyed following us because we've shared our journey. Like we've I been can. very open about what we've done, our struggles, and also the things that we're celebrating um, on our pages. So it has our voice. So it's actually me that's the one making the post. And people, most people know that, um, that it's Kristen kind of behind the, the computer but I'd say the biggest um, uh, page for us has been our Facebook page. And I would say okay. next to that is the Instagram. Nice. Yeah, I've said it three times now that I checked you out on TikTok. I like your um, your. We're curated, trying to grow the TikTok. The 90s and 2000s hip-hop and R&B is right up my alley. So keep it up. You guys are doing a really <laughs> good you. job on TikTok. Thank you. Um, is, is social the main... Uh, you already mentioned earlier that events are a big piece. You do events to market mm -hmm. so that hundreds of people can, can learn about you and then hire yeah. you to do catering. Would you say that that is your number one marketing channel for new business, so to speak? And how does social weigh into that? Do you often find people who contact you guys because they discovered you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever? I would say it's mostly the events. Um, and then also every time we cater an event, you know, if we go to a company like a PNG, for example, and we cater for 100 guests, somebody inevitably has a child that's getting married or sure. has a birthday party coming up. And if we're marketing ourselves and they've enjoyed the food, we get calls. Um, weddings are great for marketing because typically a wedding is going to have anywhere from 100 to 200 people. I, I can't tell you, there was one wedding that I booked three other weddings from that wedding. And it was, they were all in the same age range. They were all in, newly engaged. They loved the food. They said, this is easy. And they all booked us. Uh, we had a family that we actually catered their wedding, a funeral, and a graduation party all in the same week. Oh, same family. In a week? In one week. Oh my now, gosh. it was the same family. Some of them were distant relatives. One was for 
a couple and uh, their aunt and uncle actually booked us for the graduation party. And then they unfortunately had somebody pass in the same week. And so we did the repast. Now we didn't serve the same menu, um, but I mean, it happens that way sometimes. So yeah. we're always um, cognizant of that. That's why we always make sure we don't cut any corners and make sure that we have great food quality because we're always advertising ourselves. Anytime right. somebody has our food, you never know what they have coming up, any type of special celebration. 100%. The other thing that's been really good for us, too, is um, media with uh, the news. We do a lot of news segments, like um, a lot of uh, food demonstrations mm -hmm. with Local 12 or Fox 19. And even if I, you know, as I, I Google, we're actually in the process of redoing our website right now. Um, I've had my, my daughter actually looking for past articles and, and past news segments. There's so many that we've done over the years. And people remember that. They're like, I've seen you on the news. So, How do you make that happen? Do you reach out to them? Do you have like a PR agent that reaches out to the news channels? It was actually me. Um, I was, I've, I'm, I've been hungry the whole time. And oh, yeah. I, I don't mean like hungry for food. But just, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, I, I will... I will not take no for an answer. And so I remember the first time we got on Fox 19, it was actually for Thanksgiving and gosh, I want to say 2015, uh, Rob from Fox 19, I emailed him directly because I wasn't getting anywhere with a news desk or the news producer. And so I just emailed him directly. I'm like, look, dude, I know you like barbecue. And I sent him pictures and I said, let's, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to be smoking turkeys. I'd love to do a segment with you. And we did it, and we rocked it, and he loved it. And so we, I always make connections every time I do go to the news stations. I, I make sure I bring plenty of food to, to serve all of the employees there. We leave everything behind so that they have a good meal. Um, I make friends with the morning producers and make sure I get rebooked before I leave. So that nice. would say the biggest tip is to get rebooked. Don't just yeah, leave. Make sure you get rebooked was, before you leave. I'm glad you, you zoomed in on that. That's another <laughs> jewel right there. Um, do you guys bring, so when you're at a, a large event, a wedding or a graduation or whatnot where there's hundreds of people, are you bringing like flyers or collateral with you that you yes. leave on tables and stuff like that? Okay, so, you're not just relying on people like seeing the number on the side of the truck or, or something like that. Yep, so um, shout out to our interns, Gabe and Nathan. They're shout at Highlands down in Northern Kentucky. So they've been working on a marketing kit. So we actually put a marketing kit together in Ziploc bags where we've got menus we've got our table tents we've got business cards we've got some giveaways in each of those marketing kits and so every time one of our staff goes out to deliver a cater you know a catering they're taking one of those for the event organizer so they're either putting table tents out on the buffet or they're making sure the event organizer has our business cards and our um, menus because we know inevitably somebody's going to say where's this from and then they can share with them that information. We have not always been good about that. That is something that my operations manager, I'm very laser focused. And sometimes it's nice to have somebody with, you know, a holistic view that can come in a different set of eyes. Sure. She's been the one kind of paying me saying, look, we got to do a better job marketing. Like she'll go to a food truck rally and see us. And sometimes we don't even have a sign out, which it's, it's not because we don't want to have the sign, but maybe something happened. And she's like, all these other food trucks, they've got decor out and they've got hay out with, with pumpkins <laughs> and it's all decorated. Like, why don't we do that? And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we do that? So right. it's somebody nice else go do it for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you do it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, is there a community of food truck owners, either online or in person that you participate in? 
Yes, so we've been part of the Cincinnati Food Truck Association since we got the trailer in 2016. Uh, we have 82 members now, I believe. Okay. Um, and that food truck association started in 2013. It's the longest standing food truck association in Cincinnati. Um, so they do help us uh, with navigating, like there's a new zoning law that just passed in downtown Cincinnati where food trucks can't be more than 100 feet away from other restaurants. And so they communicated that information to us, but they're also trying to get a meeting with City Hall because none of that information was shared with us before the zoning rule got passed. So it was kind of like, wait a minute, you didn't even talk to yeah, food truck people or like it, there's things like that that they really advocate or like working with the Board of Health or like um, every spring we do like a... Um, a one-day uh, licensing day where the food truck, um, all the food trucks can can make an appointment with the fire department to get their inspections, make an appointment with the Board of Health to get their inspection, and have everything done in one day. So um, they help with leads. A lot of people can contact the Food Truck Association if they're wanting to boot, book uh, food trucks for their event. We get leads from them. Uh, the camaraderie, I mean, I highly recommend if somebody has a mobile business to join a local food truck association. Thank you. Strong shout out. Love it. Um, CFTA proud. Thank you. <laughs> what didn't I ask that I should ask that that would be good advice for someone considering, you know, this type of business? So considering a food truck? Correct. Not necessarily specific to barbecue. So definitely get the food truck inspected before you buy it. <laughs> um, I think I shared my experience, but... You know, I am a very trusting person, and I thought I did my due diligence in vetting the people I was buying the truck from. I did have an inspection done once I got back. But I think beyond checking out the equipment is really making sure you have the right vendors. Because a lot of the reason I had such a large expense when I first got that truck is I was taking it to a place that was recommended to me, and they may not have completely done right by me if that makes sense sure. um i do have the right vendor now um i'm taking it to weirs down in florence kentucky um, but i met them through another business owner at the gearing center so the uc gearing center made that introduction nice. and sometimes you have to go through a lot of the wrong vendors to get to the right one and that's been a learning experience for me um, and i think once you find the right one those people can truly make or break your business we use cisco as our uh, food purveyor and I remember Tim, um, who was our uh, rep at the time, during the pandemic, everybody had shortages. Like everybody had major, major issues. Tim was literally going to Cisco and pulling our shipments off of the truck as soon as it came in, wow. like a broker, to make sure that we had food to serve. Other people didn't have that same type, same level um, of uh, service maybe from their rep. Yeah. Or other, you know, uh, companies weren't doing that for their people. But we've always had extremely good relationships because we take care of our folks, too. It's it's a mutual two-way street. Um, but once you've secured those vendors, you've really got to take care of them because you don't get that level of service from everybody. It's just like the relationship I mentioned at Queen City Restaurant Supply, you know, the relationship we have with our HVAC folks, the folks, you know, our plumbers, Anderson Hills Plumbing. Anytime I've ever had a plumbing issue, they're out within two hours. Like, you don't get that level of service from every other company. So um, I think for me, it's really surrounding myself with the right people. And the other thing that we did not talk about is there's a lot of free resources out there, too. For small businesses, one I mentioned was the Small Business Development Center. Mm -hmm. That is actually funded by your state taxes, oh, um, wow. so you use them. They're located in just about every county. There's over 42 centers in Ohio alone. 
and the one that I use is through Hamilton County Urban League. Um, you don't have to be a member of the Urban League to use their service, but they will pair you up with a free business coach. Um, and those people are actually certified business planners. And they'll help with everything from putting together a business plan to uh, getting working capital to marketing, how to price your, your product or service. Um, so that's invaluable. Wow. I've used them since day one. They actually helped me file my LLC back in 2014. Um, SCORE is a service corps of retired executives. They're another organization. Uh, that organization is all volunteer driven. And they're folks who ran their own businesses or who were high-level executives in a business that sure. now want to give back and help other entrepreneurs. My mentor was Mike Mulligan, and he's actually served over 500 entrepreneurs. So he's worked wow. with 500 small business owners since he's retired. And he was a high-level exec with Merck Pharmaceuticals. So when I first got the food truck, he was the one helping me package my loan um, to get that food trailer, like when I was trying to get a loan from different banks. Yeah. Now, he also helped me do the Kiva loan. He helped me do our launch party. So he's helped me get into food truck rallies when we first got the trailer because it's extremely competitive to get in. A lot of times there's only 35 spots and there's 200 food trucks applying for those spots. Wow. So um, that was invaluable. There's also Alloy, which is based in Norwood. Uh, there's the ECDI, which is mostly focused for women and minorities um, in Norwood. Uh, there's places like Mortar Cincinnati, which is a business incubator. Uh, it was only $300 for me to go through a nine-week entrepreneur academy where I learned so many things. One of, I think, the major benefits was I got free legal service through the ECDC at UC College of Law. So that they did all mortar? of our contracts. What's that? That was through Mortar you were able to get that through legal Mortar. Yes. So I actually met an attorney who was on the board, um, Lou Goldfarb, um, and he's, he's now retired, but he actually ran the ECD program, ECDC program at UC College of Law. So st law students can sign up to go through this program each semester, and they're actually um, uh, overseen by a practicing attorney. And so they do all of the contracts from, uh, you know, if you, I did a nonprofit, they did all of my work for the uh, nonprofit. They've done employee contracts. They did my um, lease agreement when I got the restaurant. Uh, you know, the man wanted to do business on a handshake, which I appreciate, but I also <laughs> wanted to make sure I was protected. So they for did, sure. they drew up my lease for me. Um, but all of that, you know, that would have been tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. And I was able to get that for free. And as a startup, you know, that was wow. invaluable. I was so just going to say, what was the cost? Yeah. All of this legal work was free. It was completely free. And the students got credit, and I'm actually using one of the law students now in my business to do our legal work now to represent us at the new restaurant. So, um, you know, it comes full circle. But I, I share all of this with you because, again, I think you're only as good as the people around you. And as a small business owner, I had a lot of knowledge coming into this, but I'd never been an entrepreneur. I was a banker who worked with a lot of small business owners. I learned sure. what to do and what not to do by watching them. But you need an advisor, and it can be a very, very lonely world. So it's nice to surround yourself with not only like-minded people, people I met like Amy through the Goldman Sachs program, other entrepreneurs who really get us, but also uh, industry experts, people that I can lean on to really look at my business, support me. I can call them anytime, and they're, they're there. Um, and I don't have to pay for any of those services. And that's for any that's small incredible. business owner, any aspiring business owner can access those resources. That is unbelievable. Yeah, don't try to be a hero when there's all this out there. I really Ew. appreciate you shouting all that out. And real quick, when I first yeah. moved to Cincinnati, so again, mm -hmm. I'm in marketing and design. 
Yeah. I forget who it was. There was an organization, a local, you know, they placed creatives and businesses and I met and I always butcher his name, but I believe he goes by Alan Woods. Yeah. From Mortar. So yeah, he's a co-founder of Mortar. I met him and I believe his wife, Kayla, who I know has been yep. on the news or used to Kyla be Woods. Uh-huh. met them really briefly years ago. But then yeah. like two years later, I see Mortar and I see his face and I'm following him on social. So I feel like we're boys and I've known him for all these years, but that's not true. I've just met him once. So when yeah. you shouted out Mortar, I remember seeing it down in OTR. It was kind of nearby the brandery, right? Which was like the kind of tech incubator, whatever yeah. you. It's very cool. It was I, right I, next to Centrifuge. So now uh, Mortar is expanding. They actually have a multi-million dollar campaign going on right now. They're building their new hub in Walnut Hills. So they just awesome. broke ground and they're redeveloping a building and Walnut Hills, it's, I think, three or four levels. So they have a huge capital campaign. Wow. They're going to have a kitchen that restaurant owners can use to test their products and services. They have business offices that it's kind of going to kind of be like a co-working space. They have a rooftop. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Um, but I'm so proud of Alan and Derek and Willie. Um, De- uh, Derek and Alan were actually my facilitators. I was in the third class of Mortar, and I think they just graduated class 38, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So, and they're actually in like six or seven cities now too. I had no idea. Yeah. They've grown a lot. That's amazing. That's very cool. I'm going to have to reach out to them. I'll, uh, I'll spare you having, well, no, I won't. Who else (laughs) in Cincinnati, another business owner that you admire should I have on the show if you had to recommend me one? So there's a lot of, um, business owners that I honestly (laughs) um, admire, but I would say Matt Cuff, um, is one of my favorite. Matt is somebody that took us under his wing. When we first started our business, we used to go to just Q uh, when we lived in Madisonville, um, because he was in Newtown and he, he, he's always, um, been willing to take a meeting with me. Um, and even people would look at us as competitors because we just both do barbecue but it's all love. Um, there's been times that I've referred business to Matt and likewise, Matt's helped me out. We had our electricity went out in our business one day. We couldn't cook anything. Um, he took a wedding for me. He made sure that those folks were taken care of, awesome. uh, you know, all the catering that we had for the day, he took care of it. Um, we've met and talked strategy. Um, but he, he's great. I would say another entrepreneur, gosh, there's so many, are you talking about restaurant or just entrepreneurs anything. in general? Yep. Any business. Um, I would say I do know a lot of restaurant people, but uh, Jean-Francois from uh, Taste of Belgium, JF, he's phenomenal. He's somebody that during the pandemic, I was really stressed out, uh, stressed out, stressed out during the pandemic and started having some health issues. And I saw that he was opening up fuel and doing some things with his own health with running marathons. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I pick your brain? Like, how do you find balance? Like, you've got all these locations. He treated me to lunch at his restaurant and like just poured into me um, during the height of the pandemic. I mean, you don't really meet people like that, but there's a lot of great restaurant folks. Um, I would say another one, gosh, I didn't expect that question. I didn't mean to put one. you on the spot. I forgot that um, I usually ask this. No, that's okay. Um, i trying to think of some other great women entrepreneurs. Renee Schuler, who owns Eat Well, is phenomenal. She's a powerhouse. Okay. Um, uh, Kyla Woods was another one that you mentioned who actually left you know, corporate herself. She was working at WLWT and started Crowder Camera, um, Crowder Camera and has a PR firm. She also works for Hamilton County Sheriff. Um, and does that as well. Uh, Rachel DeRosiers from Grateful Grams, 
who also owns the Incubator Kitchen Collective. She does um, a lot of work with women. I'm actually in Queen City Game Changers with her. Um, so she started a program for women entrepreneurs, but also women in corporate. She's definitely somebody to watch. Um, uh, gosh, there's so many. It's all right. I, I, I know that I'm asking you to choose on the That's spot okay. here. If you think of others, text them to me. I'll put them in the I show definitely notes. definitely will. Like, I'm sure you've got friends here. are going to be like, oh, gosh, I should have mentioned so-and-so. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Two other questions that I want to yes. ask you that have nothing to do with business. Okay. And they're not planned, so I'm putting you on the spot again. Okay. Where is somewhere you have gone? It can be in Ohio. It can be in the United States. It can be anywhere that you would recommend that someone else visit in their lifetime. I would say Hana. Uh, which is in Maui, Hawaii, and I will say um, it's it was life changing for me. Um, you've been, you said you have been there last year. My best friend was married. His his wife is from Maui. They didn't get really? married in Hana, but we we flew. My wife and I flew in immediately after a nine hour flight, whatever it was. Yeah. Got in our rental car and drove straight to Hana at night. Woke yeah. up the next morning, spent the whole day there. Like you said, it was it's the best place I've ever been. So it is. Did not it's expect you were going to say that happiest place yeah and especially if you can interact and talk to the locals like it, it literally will change your life we went to troy's uh plate lunch the food truck there yeah little spot yeah oh, god i love yeah, great I love food Maui. great food and okay, really down-to-earth people so hannah good call damn that uh it was so it was, it was last, last april when we were there truly it was the best trip i've ever been on where is somewhere you haven't been that you would like to visit so uh, Egypt, and I'm actually going in uh, late January. So very excited. Um, Anton and I both, that's kind of been a bucket list trip for us, and we're going to spend two weeks uh, traveling Egypt and Jordan. You're a woman by my own heart, Kristen. Egypt and <laughs> Japan are like my two. That I, I asked people this question, I, and I used to say three. My brother gave me the advice. He's like, stop saying three. No one ever has three. And I'm like, all right. But like, no shit for me. It's Egypt, Japan, and whatever. Greece, Ireland, I don't know. But um Yes, great calls. Uh, this has been awesome. There is so Thanks. much good stuff in here for people. I'm going to end up creating 25 clips for social, um, so people better be ready. Thank you so much for doing this, Chris, and for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I really, really appreciate it on a Friday night of all times as well. So uh, just can't say enough how much I appreciate it. This was fantastic. James, I appreciate you. Thank you for asking. And I know as busy as I am, I'll always make time to help other people. Um, and honestly, the time flew by. Like I, I know we're like an hour, 20 minutes in, but I could do another hour easily. Um, I just, this is my element. Like I love helping other people and I love sharing our journey. We've got an amazing story. It's hard to condense into this type of time frame, but, um, it does go quick, doesn't it? If folks have questions, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Cool. Maybe we can do it again sometime because I think this yeah. is going to be a, a fire episode. So. Especially in the new year, we've got some great things coming, so we'd love to share. You know, a lot of what we have going on. I know I'm tight-lipped right now because it's all good. Yeah, but we would love to reconnect in the new year. Heck yeah! Thanks again. Can't wait to hear about the news on December 11th, right? Yep. All right. Have a good one, Kristen. And we do have a launch party coming up uh, December 20th. So I didn't mention that, but we were actually featured on the show Startup on PBS. Oh, nice. So we're part of season 11, episode five. Um, we will actually air that at OTR Stillhouse. We're having a party on uh, December 20th at 6 p.m. And so you can check out information on social media to get tickets for that. All right, cool. Maybe I'll have to come hang out. Yeah, you should. I'll send you an invite. Thanks, Kristen. I'll talk to you later yeah. on. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.